0: Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host.
1: I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker comedian, and mascot for the St. John's Shamrocks. All right. You got a little costume? Nice. Uh, You know, the Halifax Highlanders don't meet me. They already have an Angus. It's official. That's true. That's true.
0: It's very official. And we do see the mascot, I think, there at one point. In this film that we're talking about, in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we are covering the films of 2012. And we are here at Jason's personal pick for this season.
1: So what did you pick, Jason? I picked... uh, Canadian film, keeping with our theme of uh, Oh Canada this season, called Goon, a hockey movie, our second hockey movie we've covered after Slapshot in 1977.
0: Indeed. And yeah, this is the third Canadian movie of the season, which is not something that we planned, but... Hooray for Canada, right? The diversity of Canada's film industry from Brandon Cronenberg to Sarah Polley to Michael Dowse and Goon featuring Canada's
1: national pastime. Yeah. Hockey. As uh, yeah. as the old joke goes, Josh, why do Canadians do it doggy style? Why? So they could both watch the hockey game. <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> heard that one. <laughs>
0: There you go. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah. So, Goon is is a hockey film. It is loosely inspired by the life of Doug Smith, who wrote a book called Goon, a memoir about his time as an enforcer in minor league hockey. Although, um, I mean, I have not read this book and I I don't think any of us have read this book, but I believe this is heavily, heavily fictionalized. Um, They changed the name of the character as well, Doug Glatt is the name of the character in the film, played by Sean William Scott. And Jay Baruchel plays his sidekick buddy and is also the co-writer of this film, along with Evan Goldberg, directed by Michael Dows. And uh, yeah, Jason, you, d- you didn't read the
1: uh, the Goon book, did you? No, which was co-written by Adam Frattazio, we should say. And um, what I can tell you is it was more of like an inspired, but they took like famous moments of hockey that are also not from this book. Like, for instance, uh, there was a player in the minor leagues who had a puck hit off his butt and go in, and that got him to, like, the Eastern Conference Finals. And that was not this Doug. That was another dude named Doug. So they just took these moments uh, from this sport that kind of uh, all made it into a, a wonderful hockey movie.
0: Indeed. And we do see in the credits, when they're showing some real clips Of hockey games, we see several clips of Doug Smith's highlights of his fighting, as well as some other players there during the credits.
1: Yeah, and the butt guy is Doug Mann. He scored a goal in overtime for the Columbus, Georgia Cottonmouths in the Central Hockey League um, when the uh, puck deflected off his butt and then led him to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sure he appreciates being called butt guy. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) there's a uh, football player, Mark Sanchez, who is known for uh, fumbling the ball and falling on his butt and falling on the ball on his butt. So this is better than that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true. This was a positive outcome from the butt interaction, I would guess we would say. Yeah. Um, So this movie was not a hit when it was released in theaters. It grossed only $7 million on its $12 million budget, but became... Uh, sort of a cult sensation. We definitely could have picked this for our cult classic episode, I feel like, because thanks to its streaming on Netflix in later years, it picked up a much bigger audience over time, but it was not a hit when it was released. It did premiere appropriately enough at the 2011 Toronto International Film Festival in Canada before its wide release in 2012.
1: Yeah, this is one of those, you know, when we talk about the 90s and those films that kind of catch on at the video store, right? And uh, earn their audience. This is this is that, but in the streaming world. Right,
0: exactly. And I mean, we'll talk later about the the sequel, but this is one of these films and there's there's been a few instances of this, I feel like, in the last decade or so, where it proved so successful on Netflix or on streaming that it went from being a flop to something where they got to greenlight a sequel to it.
1: Yes, and the sequel is very different than this one.
0: It is, it is, and we'll talk about that. So despite it not doing very well at the box office, it was generally well-reviewed by critics. Uh, Roger Ebert said, the charm of Goon is that Doug Glatt is a genial guy from a nice family. Just because he hands out concussions doesn't mean he dislikes anybody. He's just happy to be wearing a uniform. The best thing about Goon is not the hockey action or who wins and who loses. It's Doug's rags to riches story. The movie is enriched by a lot of material, not specifically about hockey. Part of Doug's character is that he's modest about his achievements, and there's a lot to be modest about. To be offered a paying job in hockey is
1: beyond his dreams. I would agree with that. You know, you have a lot of different aspects of camaraderie, and Josh, I think you and I both agree that um, the love story between Doug and Eva played by Allison Pill is really one of the really shining storylines of this film.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a very sweet, and I think sweet is the word to describe a lot of things that go on in this film, um, but it is a very sweet kind of courtship or whatever we want to call it. And her character is very much She's not just some sort of typical girlfriend character, you know, she's presented as she's just as hard drinking as any of these hockey guys and she's kind of a mess, she's kind of a train wreck in her own life and in a way that's what draws them together and I love Allison Pill and I think she's she's great in a, in a role that could have been just kind of wrote in a movie like this.
1: Right, and that could go either way like you're saying. Sadly we see her in the second one as a very uh stereotypical type of character and this could have uh maybe gone to that stereotype of like manic pixie dream girl in a way. And she, she added some real depth to this. thing. She did. She did indeed.
0: So, uh, Mick LaSalle in the San Francisco Chronicle said, the gloves are off in goon and not only in the hockey rink where much of the movie takes place. The gloves are off in terms of the comedy too. The movie is harsh, nasty, and vulgar. Like you wouldn't believe. And often it's hilarious though. The comedy in goon is extreme. It's also quite specific and true to its world. For example, the central character of Doug is drawn with considerable care and acted with specificity by Sean William Scott. Everything he says is a little bit off, and Scott plays every moment like he wonders if he's doing or saying something wrong. It makes for a funny and a surprisingly endearing
1: character. Yeah, so Josh, taking it from the Sean William Scott uh, angle, Everyone, and who knows, I mean, I was, so for instance, today I was watching, uh, the Eugene Levy travel show, the reluctant traveler, and he's in Costa Rica and he's at like, um, a birthday party for an 85 year old and, uh, you know, that person's family. And, uh, he's like, oh, I'm sure there's a lot of big American pie fans here. Right. He says jokingly. And then like, people are like, woo, like they know it. Right. So, <laughs> um, so with Sean William Scott, obviously we talked about him as stiffler. And I think that's obviously what he gets typecast as a lot, but uh totally different uh, characterization, showing some real chops in this one, I think.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the reaction to this movie was that praise for Sean William Scott and noting how different it was from what he's known for as being Stifler in the American Pie movies, which unfortunately was something that he got stuck being typecast for, as we talked about, I think, in our American Pie episode. And yeah, he's great. And I think this is the kind of character that if played wrong could be annoying or unbelievable. You know, he's meant to be this sort of lovable dimwit guy, but you want to you want him to be lovable and you want him to be funny and you don't want him to just seem like an idiot. And I think that the balance is is really good here, and that is is a credit
1: to his performance. Um, one thing that I was surprised about in that review you just read is they say, "Oh, it's so uh, filthy and you know vulgar," and I'm like, you know, we. You know we already talked about Slapshot right here like this is this is par for the course on certain sports movies and it's been set in precedent in hockey movies before
0: right and i didn't think of this as an especially vulgar movie in comparison to other comedies i mean jay baruchel's character is very vulgar and he's kind of uh prominent in the beginning of the movie and then he disappears for a long period of time and I, there's a bit of the vulgarity in the in the hockey locker room, I guess, especially with the, the Russian characters who are making fun of people. But I, I felt like this was no more vulgar than any other kind of browish comedy from this time period. Right. And as we've established in many episodes, I have a low tolerance for that kind of humor, as Dave often brings us in his picks. And, sure. uh, and I, I I didn't really mind this. I, I did find Jay Baruchel's character a bit great.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. Um, uh, At the same time, having gone to uh, college in Boston, I knew plenty of people like that.
0: Yeah, I'd probably find them grading in person as well. Um, So finally, in the the lovely uh, techno or uh, jargon speak of variety, uh, Robert Kohler in Variety said, Doug Glatt is sweet-natured but armed with a solid punch, as is Goon, the lovable true story of Doug Smith a hockey enforcer who achieved minor league fame. Reminiscent of the kind of humor in Slapshot and more violent, this sports comedy from director Michael Dowes and screenwriters Jay Baruchel and Evan Goldberg balances the action on the ice with sharply drawn characters off the rink. Canadian biz will be passionate.
1: Yank Market is most likely in bid. Yeah, obviously working too hard to get words in there like, a solid punch. No, it's more than a solid punch. The entire basis of his profession is how hard he can hit someone, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a knockout punch. Right,
1: right. Really be the yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. You should have been writing this review for Variety, Josh.
0: Well, I think on the other hand, you don't want to say it's a knockout punch. That
1: implies that you thought the movie was great, and maybe he didn't. Oh, that's what I'm saying. He worked very hard to get a word in there so he can make a sentence, construct the way he wants to, but maybe just yeah. write two different sentences instead. <laughs> Split your points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did, however, predict what basically was the trajectory of this film, which is that it it found its audience in vid, aka home video or streaming. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't look at the breakdown or if the breakdown is available because North America is usually viewed as like one monolithic box office market i don't know if this did do bigger business in canada but it wouldn't be surprising if it had considering that it is such a canadian film
1: yeah right isn't that funny that um i remember when we talked about uh slapshot it was like it became a big hit in montreal and they played it all the time and it, it is uh it is funny that how that works out sometimes right
0: And Slapshot is set in the U.S., and this movie is not only about hockey, but is also set almost entirely in Canada. So it really doubles down on the whole
1: Canadianness of it. But I think that's the they did a good job with that. Like that's one of the strengths is like seeing these kind of small hockey, these working hockey towns and the the settings around them.
0: Right, and I know. I'm not an expert on hockey or sports, as we've established many times, but I believe in the NHL, there's, there's a few Canadian teams, but still the majority of those teams are in the U.S., whereas it seemed like in this minor league, there were like many, many, they played almost exclusively teams from other Canadian towns in the film.
1: Well, yes, that makes sense. It's like you would say, like a um, um, uh, provincial or territorial league. Right. Yeah. See, and these are things that I just don't know
0: a whole lot about. So I have never uh, attended or viewed a a hockey game. So other than in films like this one, so I'm definitely not up on all the... uh, Would you like us to take you to one? I would not. Thank you for the invitation, but I will decline. We offered. (laughs) Yeah. I know everyone loves the Golden Knights here in Las Vegas. They're beloved, but uh, I respect to them. I don't care to watch one of their games.
2: So. It's the thought that counts, Jason. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Jason, you're obviously, you're more of a sports guy than I am. And this was your pick. So w- when did you
1: first see this movie? I am one of those uh, Netflixians, I guess, where like, I didn't know about it. And then you you keep seeing it pop up on Netflix. And one day you're like, eh, why not? And then you watch it and you're like, yo, this is really good. Right.
0: Yeah, I I assume I kind of did the same thing. Uh, I mean, I definitely didn't see it in theaters or anything like that. And I I imagine I must have watched it on Netflix probably because I had heard that people liked it. Uh, My letterbox says that I watched it in 2013 for the first time. So a couple years or a year or so after it had been released here and it built up that reputation. So I'm guessing around the same time for both of
1: us. But Josh, isn't it interesting if someone had said like, hey, there's this weird Canadian hockey movie." And Sean William Scott's playing this totally off-type character, and it's really like a good movie. You'd be like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> None of that sounds right to me." You know, of course, you could have a good Canadian hockey movie, but you know what I mean. This is like one that just kind of got through, uh, much like a goal off the butt.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it uh, it managed to get in there, and I assume I, you know, again, not being a sports guy or even a sports movie guy that much, I assume I had. Heard enough about how good this movie was, or read enough reviews that seemed positive that I decided I wanted to seek it out and watch it. So, you know, it definitely broke
1: through in a pretty big way. Dave, had you uh, seen this film? I had never seen it, no,
2: but I'd heard a lot of great things about it, you know, especially being a big fan of like all the Kevin Smith type stuff back then at this time. And this was kind of like adjacent to that. And I always wanted to, I just never got around to it. I'm glad I found it.
1: Kevin Smith was developing a hockey movie. That Sean William Scott was supposed to be in, that was I think about minor league hockey about around this time.
0: Wasn't that based Hmm. on like a Warren Zevon song or something really weird like that? Is it called "Hit Somebody"? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, oh yeah, it was
2: called that.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Warren Zevon's a great storyteller, you know.
0: I think it was definitely based on a song of some kind. It might not be Warren Zevon, but um, yeah, Kevin Smith certainly, if nothing else. Loves hockey jerseys, but
1: <laughs> hey, there's yes, hockey. Does. There's a hockey scene in a *Chasing <laughs> Amy*, you know, and a uh, street hockey scene in *Clarks*. So, we've right, got... yeah, the, the the street hockey in *Clarks* is a huge uh, is a huge deal. In, Roof you know, hockey,
0: yeah, right, yeah, but I mean the same non non ice hockey. But uh, hit
2: somebody by Warren
1: Zevon. There you go. There
0: you go. I don't know if a Warren Zevon song would have translated well into a feature film, but we'll never find out.
1: Right? I think there could <laughs> yeah. be many Warren Zevon
0: songs that could turn into films. Sure, why not? Um, (laughs) Anything else about the background of this film, Jason, that you want to talk about? Well,
1: Josh, uh, let's see what else is there to talk about. I, I, you know, Evan Goldberg, we should mention is obviously Seth Rogen's partner, who we've talked about before when we did Superbad. So it's interesting that he and Barishel, like you know, that's all part of that same group. But you always kind of think of Goldberg and Rogen together. So I think that's interesting. Goon was nominated for four awards at the first Canadian Screen Awards, Michael Douse for uh, Direction, Jay Baruchel and Goldberg for Adapted Screenplay, Baruchel and Tim Coates for Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role.
0: That's an interesting choice uh, there. I guess maybe the actors have to themselves be Canadian, so they couldn't nominate, like, Leif Schreiber or somebody? I don't know. Right.
1: Who we should talk about in the next segment, because he's quite good. He
0: is. He is. Was there a second Canadian Screen Awards?
1: <laughs> I I kept my research uh, <laughs> specific to the film and not the many award shows in Canada. However, I do know uh two comedians and writers that I work with often write like Canadian award shows and like the Juno Awards. So I'm gonna ask uh I'll ask them and get back to you maybe. All right, I'm sure we could
0: look that up. But uh yeah, and and about Evan Goldberg, I was looking. This is the only credit that Evan Goldberg has without Seth Rogen, this film. Hmm. So you know, branching out for him, I guess, maybe. Uh, the only writing credit. He's probably got some, like, producer credits for that. I don't think so, because they're also producing partners. So I think they really just do every, he just does everything with Seth Rogen. This was the only one I saw, but maybe there are others. Well, um Certainly writing-wise, you're right.
1: It was a smart move on his part.
0: Yeah. Hitch himself to Seth Rogen. Good call. <laughs> Luckily, Big they were plan. best friends from childhood. That worked out really well for him.
1: Yeah. You and I have been besties since high school. and Look at us. Yikes.
0: Yeah. We're trying to hitch, hitch to each other and neither of us are pulling enough weight. Yeah. It's not working out.
1: Just keeps crashing head on.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come back in a moment and talk more of our general thoughts on Goon. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 2012, we are talking about Jason's pick, the
1: hockey comedy goon. And uh, Jason, what what makes you love this movie? Josh, I wrote down like notes and it, it is funny. I, I, I like, you know, um, I want to point out the pacing of this movie works so well. And when you watch the sequel and you see how poorly paced it is like it's really an amazing job that douse has done as a filmmaker to really set this story in motion and uh just move from one set piece to the next and i feel like it just all flows so well and i, I know that's a weird maybe like a, more of like a esoteric idea but I, I definitely feel like this piece just so works overall because one thing leads into the next to the next like pretty perfectly
0: yeah, I mean, it is sort of like, a. I mean, I don't know if it's esoteric, but it's the kind of thing that like, as a viewer, maybe an average viewer, you don't notice it, but you don't notice it because it's working. A well-paced movie just keeps the viewer engaged the whole time. And you're not thinking about the pacing because you're just really engaged with whatever's going on from one thing to another. So I think that that's a absolutely an important strength of this
1: film. All these characters, like the side characters, all for the most part, have layers to them, maybe beyond Doug's parents, I'd say, um, you know, and his relationships with all the characters are a little different. His his journey of, uh, you know, the ups and downs, it, it all just, just all really worked for me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Like I said, I think it starts out rough for me because it starts focused on the friendship between Doug and uh, Jay Baruchel's character, who, like I said, I found kind of grating. And it it opens with a lot of these vulgar, semi-offensive jokes that just, to me, just don't put it off on the right foot and aren't necessarily even representative of what we keep saying is like a very sweet and endearing kind of film, even though it's a movie about this guy who punches people for a living. So I think it's a little bumpy there until it gets to the point where he... Is hired because he's he's first hired to play for this local team in Massachusetts that doesn't seem to even be a minor league team, like it's just a club team or something like that. Am I
1: characterizing that correctly? I, I think it, it would probably be a lower level minor league Okay,
0: team. but it's definitely real small time, right? And that's just in his local town. And because he has shown that he can throw a punch when he gets in a fight in the stands with a with a player who Jay Barishel is yelling at. And then After briefly being in that team, he gets picked up by the Halifax Highlanders, who are obviously a a bigger time minor league team, and moves to Halifax to join the team. And I think that's really where the movie picks up and finds its stride.
1: They did a good job of establishing the um, climactic uh, collision between Doug and uh, Ross Ray, Ross the Boss, and Doug the Thug. Right from the from the beginning. Uh, even if you didn't really love the first 15 minutes, you could see that these two were on a collision course uh, that was going to have to take place down the line.
0: Yeah. And one other thing that I liked about that is you're right, that that's clearly what's going to happen. And it's um, I don't know if it was Ebert or someone else who mentioned that this is really structured almost more like a boxing movie than a hockey movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I think you can absolutely see that that's going to be like his final opponent. But I like that it was never a lot of boxing movies. I think especially set up the the big rival as like a, a villain almost, like a bad, not only someone to defeat in the ring, but like a bad person that you want to take down a peg. And that's never the case with Ross, the boss Ray. Here, he's a good guy and he's always a good guy just like Doug is even though they're going to beat each other up in the hockey rink they are good people and they're not about like destroying each other on a personal level
1: right the other thing that i would say that separates it from the structure of a lot of boxing movies is the main character doesn't fall all the way down right and then have to come all the way back up like he's ascending he makes mistakes and like there is that like kind of ebb and flow um where he does have conflict with uh like Xavier, his teammate, and then uh, when he tries to do something his coach doesn't want him to do. So and of course the the romantic conflicts, but it isn't like, oh, now I gotta work my way back up from the bottom, sports montage, now I'm ready to for a fight. Right. Which is what happens in the second movie, unfortunately. Well, yeah, <laughs> we we can talk about the there's yes. a big miss in the second movie.
0: There is, there is, but no, I think you're, I think you're right, and it's not like there's no conflict here, and he has to win over his teammates, especially uh, Xavier Laflamme, who is the big time one, one time big time pro player who's lost his mojo and has been demoted down to the minor leagues, and Doug is hired primarily to kind of protect Laflamme from being uh, pummeled by other enforcers because Laflamme has. I, he's got some sort of complex or whatever about this. Um, and then that he resents Doug then for that. And they have to room together. But again, he's not a bad guy. He's not an enemy per se. He's someone that that Doug has to win over with his charms, with his being a good guy and always being open and everything. And I like the way that that's structured. And and they do, of course, become
1: friends. And the way that he does win him over, both in that uh, fight where he protects him and also... When he's uh, hitting the wall of their shared apartment and um, telling him that, you know, it doesn't matter what he does to him, he's going to take care of him from now on, um, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, and it's, again, I think it's all about Doug being nice and, and wanting to help people and that's his motivation in all of this, even if he's beating the crap out of them, he's always just wanting to do good things for others. And, you know, the idea of I'm doing whatever my team needs. And if the team needs him to punch people in the face and not
1: hit the hockey puck, then that's what he's going to do. There are some very funny things that where you would expect Sean Williams Scott to go the other way. Like after he does score a goal and uh, all the players are like, I'll sign your dick. I'll you know, let me sign your dick. And, you know, you would think that it, in most movies, it would be Sean William Scott instigating that, right? And he goes, right. He's like, "What? I, no, I don't. I don't want you to sign my dick." You know. And he's just—he's <laughs> very. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, um, and, uh, there's an authenticity to the way he's saying that and everything. Sincerity, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. so, and I think that undercuts like one of the reasons why that Mick LaSalle review that talks about how vulgar this movie is rings a little false for me because. Even with that stuff, it always is undercut. You know, like you said, you might expect Sean, Sean William Scott to be the guy who would escalate these vulgar jokes. But because Doug's response to all of these potentially gross out things that his teammates say is just like, oh, no, thank you. right? Um, it's just really it makes it funnier than if they if they went over the top for like, you know, some jackass style thing. or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's acknowledged. Uh, I know you you said you're not a fan of the Barishal character, but. Uh, I'm going to lead this into another point. When they're walking towards the train, Baruchel's like, yeah, my cousin always wants me to come up and visit. She's dancing at this club called night Chord and, you know, um, whatever, however they structure it. It's the idea that he's going to visit his cousin, who's a stripper, and she really wants him to, to watch her dance. Right. Or something like and, that.
0: And And, and, have sex with her. I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, also- of course. <laughs>
1: Seemed like, And that. he's just yeah. like answering the question, like just like if it was any other woman that was not his cousin, you know? Right. And then, but the whole point of that scene is just to, for him to get on the train and say goodbye. So we see him off to the next uh, setting. And I thought like uh, Dallas did like a really good job of working jokes into scenes like that, that maybe you could cut, but actually add little, elements of not just humor but like character elements. Like there's that whole there's that whole scene where Doug is out with uh his family and you know he's he's doing well and the owner of the Middle Eastern restaurant really likes him and he's like free donair for everyone and then you know they're talking and he goes no 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 don't get the wrong idea. Doner sauce right so now we've doubled down on the joke. And then you see that guy walking away and he yells to the back water down the doner sauce right and yeah it's a really effective uh Uh, rule of three comedy on that. Yeah, that was good. And that's also,
0: I mean, that's a funny scene, but it also has a lot of nuance in his relationship with his family and the idea of I feel like it's almost an inversion of what you see in a lot of movies and a lot of comedies where you had to have like, you know, the macho dad who wants his son to be macho too and play sports or whatever, but the son is like sensitive and instead he wants to, you know, go to college or whatever. And this is the opposite. You know, you have Eugene Levy as the dad who is the doctor and the other, the brother is also a doctor and they're kind of snobbish about that and they expect Doug to, Go to an Ivy League school and also become a doctor. And Doug is like, no, I'm stupid and I punch people. And it's okay that that's the case because I like what I do and I'm proud of it and I'm good at it. And, you know, he's got that kind of, but he's still got that struggle with being accepted. By his family which is never even really resolved they never the brother is more supportive but the parents never seem to accept him.
1: right and that that scene ends with another funny line where the brother is like i accept you i'm going with mom and dad because they have my passport but i accept <laughs> you right right um but um that's interesting because i thought and i didn't even think of it that way i thought oh this is another scene where um you know a kid is telling his parents i found what i'm good at and you don't accept me but i i like it the way you've interpreted it which is a different spin on that type of scene.
0: Right. I mean, it definitely is that. And you see a lot of that, you know, there are movies about like, you know, musicians where like, I'm going to go be in a band and the parent is like, no, you should go to college or whatever. So it's not completely different. But I, I think especially in the sports context, there are a lot of movies like that where, you know, you have the macho sports loving dad and the sensitive son and that's the conflict. And here we've kind of reversed it. But also Doug is sort of the combo because he's both, sports loving and macho in a way but also really sensitive
1: he is so josh let's talk about that whole relationship with um with uh allison pill where he gets off like wonderful one-liners uh you know when he's courting her like uh when he says uh about her name i think it's a pretty name like your face
0: Right. And he does seem to just like repeat. He just keeps telling her, You're so pretty. You're so pretty. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. And it's the kind of thing where you could easily feel like this subplot is unnecessary, like this is some studio note that was like he has to have a love interest, or it's not believable. But I think even if it was a studio note, like you have to give him a love interest, I feel like they approached it in a creative way rather than just doing something rote with that. And I did love that she was kind of turned on by the fact that he was this hockey bruiser and she's clearly sort of a hockey groupie in a way. And she's, again, a bit of a train wreck herself. And she's upfront about that and she says that. And he is like, but but you're great. You're so pretty.
1: Right, exactly. There's a, there's a great job, again, by Douse of You see them at the beginning of the night and then we cut to them at the end of the night and they're all canoodled. You, you think like they've just been in this booth by themselves. The whole night and they go you want to get out of here and then we pull back and we see there's like six other drunk passed out people in the same booth with them um i really like that i think douse does a really good job like not you know it's a comedy but like the style of this movie is really good there are some shots of him walking in the snow that you're like dude this is this is beautiful looking
0: yeah, it is. It is something, and I again, you know, not to keep harping on the sequel, but visually, even to compare those two is just. And I think part of that is maybe the evolution, even in just a period of five years of lowish budget films, where these movies end up, they go straight to streaming or whatever, and they all just look like shitty TV shows, which is basically like the visual style of every streaming movie now, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not maybe entirely to put blame on the d- directors, but you're right that he for a relatively small budget film and a movie that's not going to be about its visual style. He comes up with some, some nice shot compositions.
1: Yeah. There's um, uh, when we get that one showdown and the shamrocks are coming off the bus in the snow and you hear the bagpipes in the background and the announcer who is a real hockey announcer does a really good job, both with his comedy and setting the emotion of, uh, of those scenes as well. That's Kurt Keelback, Josh. Yeah,
0: he was good. And I feel like that's another tradition of sports movies, of the announcers who say ridiculous things. And and I think you're right. He's balancing that well, where he is saying enough that is clear. So you, if you're like me and you don't know anything about hockey, you can follow what's going on in the hockey scenes. But he's also funny and he also has some weird lines that give you the sense that this guy is a strange person. And And, and who is a minor league hockey announcer anyway,
1: if not a strange person? <laughs> Were there things, Josh, that did not work for you in this one, not the sequel?
0: Right, right. Well, like I said, I really did not like Jay Baruchel's character. And I think starting with so much focus on him, definitely, I mean, I'd seen this before, so I knew where, where it was going, but it's still like, to me, gets it off on the wrong foot and is not representative of what it is. And I think on the one hand, as we're talking about where they set up the sort of rivalry between Doug and Ross, the boss, Ray, really well. And you know, from the start that it's going to have to Kind of lead up to their showdown. I feel like it it has a weirdly abrupt ending where it ends with the fight between them, which seems like the right way to do it. But so much of that talk has been about the team and whether they're going to make the playoffs or whatever that we don't really ever find out what happens to the team. Do they get? It? I mean, I think they get to the playoffs because they win that game. Yeah. But how do they do in the playoffs? Do they get a championship? I mean, I know that that's kind of not what the movie's about, but it just seemed like a weirdly abrupt way to end and i don't know what i would have wanted it to do instead but it felt a little unfinished to
1: me that's interesting because um that is not my gripe in this one but that is a huge gripe i have in the second one because the ending is similar where they need to go out and win this game right in the second one and he um you know he's they say to him you know if you throw a punch with your right arm uh you know you can tweak it in such a way that your career will be over. And he throws that punch to get them into the playoffs, which he didn't have to do, instead of sticking with the team. You would think they'd want to be like, okay, this is my last season, my last run. I'm going to play with you guys through the playoffs because you're my team, not, you know. So I thought that was a really lame ending in the second one, but it didn't bother me in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worse in the second one. And there's a lot of confusing motivations in that in that film that that it's it's not nearly as streamlined as this. I mean, and I think part of that is the difficulty in making a sports movie sequel because of the structure. I mean, you you see this in like all the Rocky sequels too, where it's like, how do we get this character back in the position that they were at the beginning of the first movie that made the audience care about them when the whole first movie was about putting them in a stronger position by the end? And so that's, you know, that's not unique to that film, but, um, I think there are definitely a lot of, right.
1: Yeah. And the second one, they do that thing that we talked about where it's like, he's hit his rock bottom. He gets punched out of the sport. You know what I mean? So, but going back to this first one with the sequence, uh, or the whole relationship between Doug and Ross, um, I love that scene where Doug's uh, already on a low points because he's kind of blown a game and he's walking around, I guess, St. John's, and it's three in the morning, and Ross is in a diner, and they have like their first face-to-face showdown where they like mutually respect each other, but they call each other out. It reminded me of the the meeting of uh De Niro and uh and Pacino in heat, not from a performance <laughs> level, but uh but just from like the idea of like if I got to take you out, I will, you know, and he goes, you know, I thought that was really good.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think that goes to the idea that, again, they don't portray Ross, the boss, as a villain or as a bad person. And that's it's actually a really nice meeting. It's a, it's a lot less tense, I think, than that scene from Heat that you're describing. But yeah, I mean, it also reminded me, I just rewatched Creed 2 recently, and there's the scene between Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago in Rocky's restaurant, where they have that yeah. sort of wary meeting with each other. And it reminded me a bit of that as well. But I think that's also a very tense scene. And this is a scene that's a lot more, you get the sense that these guys would be friends, you know, outside of the ring and could could even still be friends, even though they have to beat each other up. And And, and I like that. You're rooting for Doug to win because you like Doug and he's the main character of the movie, not because you hate Ross and you want him to go down.
1: Right. Well, Dave, did you have any thoughts? And I also wanted to ask you: Did you enjoy the mostly Canadian soundtrack?
2: <laughs> I, I don't have any thoughts on the soundtrack, although I I thought that there was some good stuff there. But no, you guys mentioned Slapshot as a as a comparison. But the only other thing I was thinking about is for uh, the Sean William Scott character because he's such an interesting character. This kind of like sweet, not exactly slow, but you know, kind of silly kind of character. I I was thinking of comparisons with him because there's not that many other people like him out there. And, you know, I was thinking, of course, uh, Sandler and Happy Gilmore, um, but also... Speaking of the Canadian angle, Garth, I I thought he reminded me of in Wayne and Garth, like, especially where he has like this hidden talent of being, you know, such a badass. And, but he's also so like kind of slow and sweet and everything. So uh, it's just kind of like a a mesh of those kind of characters.
0: Yeah. And I think to the response where, again, some, somebody says something really vulgar and tries to get him, rope him into something like that. And he's just like, oh, no, thank you. That very felt. No, thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I also wrote down a line that I really liked Uh, when it's towards the beginning when the coach says to him, uh, you got to be shitty to get better. I thought that's a great line. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Jason, do you want to mention any of the other minor characters, like all the different guys on the hockey team? Is there any one particular that that stood out to you? Uh,
1: Not really. I mean, obviously, Xavier and uh, Kim Coates would be the two. I mean, I think you could argue that those are not well-defined characters as uh, and and in something like slapshot you get more of those side characters was there one that you really liked
0: um i mean they're all i think you're right they're they're mostly just there for different comedy bits and i i did uh, think of you know we have the the russian although i'm not sure if they were supposed to be russian or ukrainian um brothers who uh, just just insult people all the time. And of course, as we've discussed many times on right. the show, our script for Miracle Beach 2, featuring Russian <laughs> brothers Vladimir and Pavel, who insult people all the time. Clearly an influence on this film.
1: I, I <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. felt uh, that those characters reminded me of that also, Josh. So.
0: Yes, thank you, Jason. I'm glad I'm not the only one on that. And clearly the whole audience felt that way
1: as well. Listen mm-hmm. when um, when the Patreon gets enough uh, subscribers, we'll do the read through of Miracle Beach too. I look forward Hell to yeah. that. So uh,
0: yeah, I mean, anything else that you that you love about this movie that you want to highlight? I
1: think we've covered it, Josh. Let's rate this thing a eh? out of uh, yeah five five uh, punches to the face. Sure, why not? Sure, it's three and a half. As you know, that is often a sweet spot for me on. These uh I don't even want to call them guilty pleasures, but these movies that I could just sit down and watch uh any day and just um they kind of lift me up. They they make you feel better. Three and a half punches to the face.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is definitely the kind of movie this is. I think I'm slightly less enthused. I'd give it a three punches to the face, but I, I would recommend it. And I think even if you're, you know, like me, not a sports fan, not a sports movie fan per se, this is a movie that you can watch and it'll just kind of put a smile on your face. So uh I like it. Dave,
2: Uh, I'm going three and a half two, And uh, I feel like it would be even higher if I ever had the opportunity to like watch this with a group of friends. I'd probably just be like really into it.
0: Yeah. Well, we know you don't have any friends. uh.
2: (laughs) That's true. Just you guys, basically.
0: (laughs) All right. we'll, We'll come back in a moment and talk about the legacy of Goon. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 2012, we are talking about Jason's pick, the hockey comedy Goon. And we've already talked a bit about the sequel because in part, I think we were both pretty disappointed in how it turns out. It is from 2017, called Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. And um, again, greenlit, I think, mainly because of the popularity that this movie had on netflix and it's not a netflix original but it is currently
1: streaming on netflix right while the other is streaming on amazon so yeah uh, weird how those things work uh jay baruchel i read a quote says i don't want to get into trouble and i'm not saying there's going to be a goon three but there's more than one way to skin a cat we're not done in this universe yet. The goon. Why does everything have to be a universe? The gooniverse. No. <laughs> the gooniverse. There you go. Um, nice. Yeah. The, look, where this miss, where goon two misses is all the subtleties of goon, right? Like, um, and also they just go all in on the jokes and the the vulgarity all the time. So there's no layers to it like this one has. The pacing we said is not there, and on top of it. The Allison Pill character is not even a real character, and that relationship just uh, doesn't work in the second one.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on all of that. I thought the vulgarity was a lot more prominent. Like, they took the wrong lesson from the first one. Like, oh, people really want more of that lowbrow comedy and not as much of the, the heart. It does have that sort of more cliched sports movie structure with Doug getting you know, at rock bottom and having to train with Ross the boss so that he can make a comeback and all that kind of stuff. And it has a very villainous uh, opponent versus how Goon does a Wyatt Russell who plays the other enforcer, who's the son of the greedy owner played by Callum Keith Rennie. And uh, yeah, and poor Allison Pill is stuck with just the nagging wife role where she's, she's pregnant with their kid and all she wants is for him to stop fighting and, She's not fun anymore, and
1: it's, yeah, it's a huge disappointment. And I'm a huge sports fan, and um, you want to talk about gaps in logic. I was like, <laughs> how is this guy on this team? Now, wait a second. How is he back on that team, and why isn't he playing here, and why is he playing there? Like, It just didn't make sense. At the end of Goon 2, though, I will give him this, Josh. They they gave me one good laugh um, when they're showing the, um, the outtakes of it, right? And Doug works in basically like a janitor's closet in the, in the, the bottom of this uh, insurance building. Right. And uh, the boss says to him, like, you know, uh, Oh, you know, that's just hobos outside peeing on the window. They have the whole street and they can pee on the window, but it's better now because, because uh, you know, at, at five, the hand jobs start. Right. And and then he goes, Nope, Nope. I guess they started early today. Right. And then in the outtake, Sean William Scott says, go, go Johnny masturbate his penis He's again just so sincere with it it made me laugh quite a bit so that that's the takeaway of good go johnny masturbate (laughs) his penis
0: (laughs) yeah that's that whole that whole storyline where he has to leave and work for the insurance company and he has the ridiculous boss who which is just a vehicle for all the vulgar comedy and i just found that stuff so completely unfunny and and also it's just from a story standpoint it's like so perfunctory it's like all right come on he's got to go work the normal person job so that he can hate the normal person job and decide he's going to go back to right. playing hockey like let's just and, off, and they did
1: zero know? research on what that job would be because they literally just say like documents there's a lot of documents like you know right so, right so um but look forgetting that you know i mean and we know one barish shell directed that and he wrote it with a different co-writers so those could be two of the reasons uh that that changed but um yes i do think one one thing that was really great for me was i didn't realize how much i like michael douse like he's awesome michael douse rules like uh, uh he did 8-bit christmas which i really like stuber which was a fun movie and then i haven't seen it's all gone Tong, but that's going to be next on my list but i have watched his other cult classic the Canadian movie Fubar. Have you ever seen that, Josh? No,
0: and that is that is before Goon, but that I would not. I hadn't even heard of. I had heard of It's All Gone Pete Tong, which was also pre Goon. But uh, how is Fubar?
1: So Fubar, I don't love, but I get it from like a Canadian cult classic. I, the only reason I learned about it is because on Letter Kenny they say like you want to go watch Fubar, and this thing has lived to the point where there's been a sequel. I think a television show, I think there's a new television show uh, about it. So I don't love it, but it was a real interesting piece to watch.
0: Yeah, I probably won't watch that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely has made a career out of these kind of good-natured comedies, I guess you could say, so like, like Stuber or 8-Bit Christmas. And I wasn't really crazy about either of those movies, but they're pleasant enough. You know, they have a nice
1: kind of tone to them I guess the next thing he's doing is an adaptation of the video game Just Cause have you ever played that Dave?
2: Oh, I haven't played it but I'm aware of it it's a very popular game yeah
1: apparently each one takes place in like an archipelago or an island and mm-hmm. you have to do all these tasks to get out of the archipelago so um, it sounds interesting
0: hmm. yeah, yeah we'll see how that goes but yeah I mean uh, a guy who clearly has a, a good handle on comedic tone Agreed, agreed, sir. Uh Jay Baruchel, maybe less so, I think. I mean, just, I know I'm I'm really harping on it You're him, really and taking he, it
1: to him, yeah.
0: I, You know, I think I hadn't really given him much of a thought, but re- watching both of these movies back to back, I was like, you know what? I really find this guy really fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, sometimes he's fine. You know, like you said, Jason, he's part of this sort of extended, like Seth Rogen troop and has done some things with them. I mean, this is the end, I think was uh his, biggest co-starring thing with Seth Rogen, I would guess. Um, I mean, he's fine, like in the How to Train Your Dragon movies, he's the voice of the main character. But yeah, I don't know. I also saw the one other movie he directed and also co-wrote with the same co-writer from Goon 2, which is a horror movie called Random Acts of Violence that is also, I mean, it is violent, but also is full of just like annoying, vulgar humor and is not very good. So um, yeah, anything positive you'd like to say about? Yeah,
1: him. I don't, I don't, I think he can be very effective. I loved him in uh, Undeclared, where he was the lead. The old sure, that is a really God good show. show. So, yes. but he's also he also did some cool, like weird parts back then, like in, um, you know, Almost Famous. I think he's got more to offer than you're you're giving him credit for. And maybe he does. Where,
0: where's, Was it you or were you a fan of that Man Seeking Woman, the TV show that he did for a couple seasons, uh, which I
1: also found really interesting? I think my brother loved that. I would like to uh, watch okay. that. So There you go. But he we'll does have guys, a yeah. really, what I admire about him is he's got a really good foothold of like he's still working in Hollywood, but he's also just doing tons of work in Canada. He's doing great. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely like a Canadian superstar. Um,
0: I think one of the things he had, and I don't even know if this is aired in the U.S., but like, like some, some like documentary show, like a travel show or something like that, just highlighting Canada, maybe something along those lines. So uh, you might be you might
1: that. be talking about we're all going to die, even Jay Baruchel, which is his look at the uh, world after the apocalypse. Oh, there you go, something like that. But
0: you know, I don't know if U.S. audiences would be like, "Wow, Jay Baruchel
1: is hosting a show," right? But well. in Canada, you get that. I do think he could host a show here, like, you know, but, you know, whatever. But would his name be in the title of it? No, probably not. So, yeah, uh, Evan Goldberg, we know, superstar now working on uh, a limited series version of Console Wars because we need that.
0: You know, I'm sure that is probably not good, but uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen have, you know, gone from being these comedy screenwriter guys with stuff like Superbad, and they really have, you know, branched out as producers into stuff like Preacher and other and the the boys, right? Like, genre stuff that's not just l- lowbrow comedy, and they've been really successful with it. So I feel like, you know, credit to them for
1: that. I, I agree. I think now we're gonna, it'll be interesting because they're in that next phase of their career, right? Where they can't just make those Rogan Apatow comedies. So we'll see where they go. Uh, with that, I wasn't insulting him. I'm just not ins- excited for console wars. So. I, and
0: I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that front.
1: We've talked a lot about Sean William Scott. We're all very excited that he will be in the sequel to Becky, The Wrath of Becky. And, uh, of course, he's on Welcome to Flatch now, which has seemed to pick up some steam. Yeah, have you watched that show? No, I do want to watch it, and I want to watch the um, British show. It's based on this country.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know you were a big fan of Becky, and uh, he will be the villain in that sequel. And can he live up to Kevin James as the villain in the first battle? I think
1: he can, and I think Kevin James did a great job in the first one. So I'm excited yeah. for that. I don't think we've talked about Liev Schreiber before, though. And uh, he's uh, one of the many, many, many actors, though, that will be appearing in the Wes Anderson film Asteroid City coming up. Uh, he's doing a mini series of Small Light about the family that housed Anne Frank. And football fans, of course, know him as the voice on uh, Hard Knocks. He's taken over those um, NFL film style narrations.
2: We may have talked about him briefly on The 10 though, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his greatest role, of course. Yes. No, I mean, I, that is honestly one of my favorite of his. Yeah, though, he, yeah, and
0: he's excellent and he's a very versatile actor to, to do all these different things. Um, he's been in a couple of Wes Anderson movies, although not right. uh, Isle of Dogs. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Budapest Hotel or one of those French, one, uh, one French
1: one. Dispatch.
0: There you go, that one. Um, I, I love you know. Spotlight is a great, great movie, and he's he's excellent in that. And I don't think any of us are fans of this, but I feel like his career has been largely supported in the last uh, decade or so by Ray Donovan.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Ray Donovan was a big hit. I I might watch it at some point, but. More interesting to me would be going back to watch all of those '90s indie movies that he did in the New York scene. Like I recently just watched Party Girl, and he's got a, a small part in that. And uh, you guys are aware of my love of—I by you guys, I mean the audience as well—the Day Trippers, where he's in. You yes. know, so just one of those actors who was prevalent in that scene at that time.
0: Yeah, I mean, a guy who shows up in all sorts of different roles and always pretty much kills it. Um, Marc-André uh, Grandin um, was the one other actor who plays Xavier Flamme. is a major part of this film and is also in the second film, but mostly it works in French-Canadian film and TV. Not really much else that I had heard of, but works steadily up there in Canada. So just wanted to give him a shout. looks out like well. a,
1: a lot of like limited series stuff he does up there, um, yeah. which is good. Josh, you uh, said you love Alison Pill, I think she's great too. What are some of your favorites? Obviously Scott yeah. Pilgrim.
0: Scott Pilgrim yeah. of course is fantastic. Um I mentioned, you know, the whole all this Canadian stuff coming together in our episode on Antiviral, I mentioned a movie from last year that I really really liked called All My Puny Sorrows with Sarah Gadon from Antiviral and Alison Pill, and they play sisters in that film and both of them are excellent, but Alison Pill is really the main character of it and she is just absolutely fantastic. This is such an underrated film. I feel like she could have gotten an Oscar nomination for that movie. Um, TV-wise, she's uh, she's very entertaining on Star Trek Picard, and she was good on a show, I think, Jason, that you also like called Devs from a couple years ago with Nick Offerman. So uh, those are a couple more recent things that I liked her a lot in, but I'm always happy to see her. And that's why especially it's so disappointing in the second goon where she's stuck in that terrible.
1: Uh, I agree with you. Uh, have you watched Hello Tomorrow, which she is currently in? Uh, Yeah,
0: she's I mean, she's fine. She actually has a like she's really wasted in that they give her not a very good or big part. And that show is not good.
1: Ah. Um, Well, she's I was happy to see her. The next thing is uh, (laughs) that she's got a project called Eric LaRue, which is I think she plays the mother of a high school student and she murders three of the high school students, friends or classmates. So, oh, her. (laughs) Yeah, Josh. So we've obviously talked about Eugene Levy on this show and uh, so I guess the real last big character actor here is Kim Coates, Sons of Anarchy, will be in White House Plumbers. And uh, Josh, I did want to also quickly shout out, uh, even though you didn't like Jay Baruchel, I think a lot of Canadians would have liked the hot ice uh, show that he had, uh, you know, which was like a public access TV show in the movie because the control room featured Ricky Bubbles and Julian from Trailer Park Boys.
0: Now I know you love Letterkenny, Kenny, but do you watch Trailer Park Boys?
1: I got to get into it at some point. I've just uh, skirted around it a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to mention one more person who is Doug Smith. You know, the inspiration for this film. Who we see the footage of him at the end of this movie. The real footage of him. He has a cameo in the second movie, not in this one, but in the second one, he has a cameo as one of the people. And I would was wondering this is a thing in the second movie. I don't know if this is real where they have the, the events that are just hockey brawls, no hockey games, just brawling. And he's he shows up in one of those. Is that a real thing, Jason? I've never seen that, but I could see that in Canada as being a real thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know how updated this is, but according to Wikipedia, he works as a police officer now in Massachusetts, has worked for a long time also as a high school hockey coach and uh, as a sort of trainer to certain NHL players, specifically training them to fight, yeah. which of course is his expertise. So, you know, good for him. Not, not somebody who's going to be in like the hockey hall of fame or whatever I assume, but you know, has made a career out of this.
1: And yeah. has two movies that are, you know, inspired by him. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. Oh, Josh, I have a question for you. Uh, put, right. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Josh. Uh-oh. Uh, oh. and Dave, you can answer it too. Cause I feel this is an mm. underrated Sports movie, and that you don't think of it right away. What are some? Do you have any great underrated sports movies that you want to recommend? Like, I'll go first. I've mentioned it a few times on piecing it together. Big fan, Pat Noswald. Great sports movie that a lot of people don't consider right away.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I would like to. And, you know, as I keep saying, I'm not a big sports movie guy. So, there probably is something if I looked it up and did some research and tried to remember, but nothing is coming to mind uh, right in this moment. So um, I lose this
1: game. Thanks, Josh.
2: Uh, You're welcome. The, uh, I'll probably get some pushback on this, but uh, if for nothing else, John Lovitz in the bench warmers is so funny. All right. I'll
1: have to watch yeah. that just for you. But Josh, yeah, let me throw one more out there. Yeah. Blue Crush, the uh, female surfing movie from 15 sure. years or 16 years ago. Awesome. I- I am with you on that. Blue Crush, really, really
0: good and and underrated. Uh, John Stockwell, also kind of an underrated director, at least for a certain period of time. Um, not so much I- in recent years, but yeah, Blue Crush is really good. I almost didn't even like think of that as a. I guess there's a. I, I just think of that more character driven, but I assume there's like a big sporting like surfing competition that they build up
1: to at the end of that. I call. mean, surfing's a sport, and they surf all the time in it, so. Sure, you know, I think, you I think many people might say the Ben Affleck movie "The Way Back recently was another one, so uh, oh, yeah, that was a solid little movie. Yeah, so um, yeah. I don't know if it's
0: underrated, but of course, I love bring it on. I mean, I feel like that's probably too popular to be considered underrated, but um that that is one of my favorite movies, so I could mention that.
1: All right. Sounds so, good to uh, me.
0: There you go. some sports movies for you all to check out, and uh, that is Goon. And that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can uh, punch us in the face online and on social media.
1: Punch away, friends. I'm at Jason Harris Comedy or Jay Harris Comedy on all the socials. Eat This Comedy is also up there as a website and on um, uh, Instagram. Go for Jason. Got punched out of the uh, internet a long time ago. We're at awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. However, go for Jason. You can still find me on Letterboxd.
0: Ah, yes. So uh, you can find some old stuff from me at joshbellhateseverything.com. Find me on Facebook at joshbellhateseverything. And on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Signal Bleed. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together.
2: Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. And
1: Jason, what do we have in our next episode? Josh, we are going to Sundance, the film festival, but not in real life because neither of us can afford us and neither of us have been invited. However, we will watch the Sundance Film Festival winner from 2012, Beasts of the Southern Wild. So tune in
0: next time for Beasts of the Southern Wild. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year.
2: Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts.
0: An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.